All right, recording once again in the home studio. Lots to talk about in this episode. The dirty Toronto Maple Leafs, obviously, because they're such a dirty team. Sid the Kid continuing to show his elite status and putting him among some of the greats. Connor McDavid well on his way to doing the exact same thing. And a TV deal struck with the NHL and Turner Sports instead of NBC. Gonna sound a little bit differently. Nevertheless, episode 68, Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Let's go. Welcome in once again, the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Kagamard, your host as always. Yeah, recording a little bit later on today. Um, I had a couple of things. I had, I had to leave the office today and come home early to deal with a couple things. I had to record a commercial uh, earlier on today as well. So I kind of focused my time and energy on that. Had a little bit to eat made sure there wasn't any breaking news that came to light, and then uh, hit the record button here. If you want to follow me along on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in, by the way, uh, all these times. I noticed a couple, uh, you know, continuous listeners that, you know, reach out to me and whatnot, so I do appreciate it. I really do, and that's why I want to continue on doing this. Uh, I got another article out with the hockey writers involved the Vancouver Canucks, and their playoff hopes are not dead just yet, and Talking about it, I know they've lost two or three, though, to Ottawa. Like, they beat Toronto two in a row, but they lose to Ottawa two out of three. They got one more game against them, and then their schedule goes even more. They got to make... Got to make the most of the hand given to them. Games in hand, and they can catch Montreal and Calgary in points, but they got to handle their own business. So, uh, might talk about them a little bit later on today as well. Uh, TV deal with the NHL switching from NBC. We'll discuss that off the top here. The Dirty... The, such the dirty Toronto Maple Leafs, and I have, I have such a, <laughs> I mean, it's hilarious because, you know, they're not, but it's just funny the way that teams viewed the Leafs before the season started and now. Uh, we got to talk Sidney Crosby again, just greatness, the underrated greatness of Sidney Crosby and Connor McDavid. Well, we're going to talk about his greatness, and rightfully so, but we'll start with this. The NHL has signed a seven-year deal with Turner Sports, the television rights, and there's some big money being thrown around. Not NFL money, not NBA money, but big money. Turner Sports, uh, as a per report, has picked up the remainder of the NHL's media rights as part of a seven-year deal worth $225 million. Per season. That is from Sean Shapiro and Richard Deitch from The Athletic. Uh, NBC, if we all remember, which has aired NHL games for the past 16 years, has reportedly moved on from the bidding for the broadcast deal with the National Hockey League. The network will no longer be carrying NHL games beyond this season. And the final campaign of a 10-year contract worth $2 billion as well. Uh, Turner Sports. So this is weird. So I I hadn't heard a whole lot of of Turner Sports. I did a little bit of research on them, and they they haven't aired hockey games since broadcasting. Listen to this: the Atlanta Flames games back in the 1970s. That's according to the Associated Press's Joe Reedy. Its outlets include TNT, TBS, and AT and T. Uh, Sportsnet already owns the rights for for games in the N, uh, NBA and MLB, but um, 
Turner Sports was kind of one of those umbrella companies that overlooks companies that I'd heard of before. Like I said, TNT, TBS, AT&T. Um, also games before that were part of ABC, the NHL and Walt Disney Company agreed back in March to a seven-year deal reportedly worth over $400 million to use ESPN and ABC as their league broadcasting partners. That deal gives ESPN exclusive rights to four Stanley Cup finals and guarantees exclusive rights to 25 regular season games. Uh, there was a clip I posted on the social media pages for the Second Thoughts Hockey podcast of uh, Stephen A. Smith from ESPN talking about his five favorite things in hockey and that was just, that was really exciting. And, and, and I remember seeing that deal as a really big win for the National Hockey League, especially in the United States. I don't think it's going to affect Canada because Sportsnet, TSM, they're always going to pay high bidding awards because in Canada, hockey just dominates, right? Hockey is kind of the outlet, even though, right, the NFL, when it's on, people are watching the NFL. People, I think, watch the NBA, but not nearly as much anymore with the Raptors not being, you know, a, a title contender this year. Uh, and then Major League Baseball, a lot of kind of hype around the Toronto Blue Jays, but they're so secluded to like one specific market. And I think baseball is so boring to watch on TV now. Um, if you're a baseball fan, I, I do apologize. Um, it's not the same energy. I heard a, uh, a couple different stories of some broadcasters. They took their kids to baseball games. And they're, they're about 10, 11, 12 years old. So, I mean, I, I, when I was that age, I was glued to baseball. Like, I could watch baseball on like no to no end. But they came back afterwards, and, and after about an hour and a half of the game, hitting is down, there's defenses up, shifts are up, right? Batting average, there's just less of it. There's less base runners. There might be a lot more home runs, but it's you notice home runs more because of the lack of hits. And that's not even true. Right? There aren't more home runs than there were in the 70s and 80s when guys were hitting 60, 70 bombs a year. But the averages are down. The defense is better. It's harder to hit a pitch. Pitchers are better. And it's it's not the same as hockey. So hockey in Canada dominates. But for the United States, this is a great deal. right? ESPN is a network that produces college uh, college basketball, college football. Um, you know they they have some games with the NBA and the NFL. Uh, it's it like ABC and ESPN um, network. They're going to be covering the All Star games. Like this is this is fantastic news for hockey that's trying to keep up with the other three major sports in the United States. And honestly, MLS is getting big. Premier League is getting big. Like there's. Not getting big. Premier League's been huge forever. But in terms of the NHL trying to keep up with these, right? I, I think this is going to be a big move. But again, when I first read Turner Sports, I had heard of them before. But realizing that they are they cover outlets including TNT, TBS, AT&T, and the NHL and Walt Disney have also agreed to a deal in March with, uh, with over $400 million on the table to use ESPN and ABC as league broadcasting partners. So... Big news for them. Uh, this actually marks the first time since 1998 and 1999 that the NHL will have two network partners in the United States, which is awesome, right? You've got two different deals. You've got one with Turner Sports, now one with Walt Disney Company, with, with ESPN and, and, and ABC. This, again, big money being thrown around, but the NHL is finally trying to sell themselves. And I think the next step for the NHL Right? What do what do all the, like the great leagues that do so well in in ratings? What do they do? Right? What does the NBA do? What do you think of when you think of the NBA? You think of players, 
You think of LeBron James, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Giannis Adenokounmpo, right? When you think of the National Hockey League, you can you can say, yeah, well, I think of McDavid and Matthews, but but for the most part, you think teams. You think the Toronto Maple Leafs. You think the Montreal Canadiens. You think the Stanley Cup Finals. When you think of the NFL, you think Super Bowl, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, right? I think the NHL has done their players a disservice by not allowing them to be them. They get fined for saying certain things. They've got to be professional when when the camera's on, right? The NFL and the NBA have very outspoken, fashionable, and, well, icons in their sports. And I think the NHL needs more of that. They need guys like Austin Matthews to be Austin Matthews. The league really first experienced that. Not first experienced it, but when I noticed watching hockey, when I noticed, because I'm only 27 years of age, but the first real outgoing character on and off the camera for me, right, that was a superstar. Because there are a bunch of, you know, middle six, bottom six forwards that have big personalities, but because they don't have the elite status to to back them, you know, it kind of goes under the radar. Whereas in the NFL, Marshawn Lynch is this huge character. Um, you know, say what you want, but, you know, Aaron Rodgers telling everyone to R-E-L-A-X, relax, and then he goes on a winning streak and carries his team to the playoffs, and you got guys guaranteeing wins and guys getting fired up and being themselves on camera and, Alex Ovechkin was one of those guys, right? He was himself. They did the the twenty four seven series on him, where he's driving the 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 cart inside the facility, and he barely makes it under the sliding door. You know, he's speaking Russian. He's bringing out the glasses and two sticks. He's got the fire stick. His celebrations, right? He b- brought flair to the game as a superstar player. What do we think of guys like 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 well, you know Gretzky and even Crosby, right? The little salutes, the little handshakes. Like they're all very to themselves, very soft-spoken individuals. Well, Ovechkin comes on, and he's this loud-mouth Russian who scores every goal like it's his last goal and celebrates even harder. Um, You know, and it's paving the way. Now guys like Patrick Kane are doing these celebrations where they're sliding on their knees, going to the boards in a Stanley Cup elimination game. And Austin Matthews is going to the crowd and, and freaking out when he scores after a goal gets disallowed. And you need to see more of that. And with this deal, hopefully that exposes some of the bright young players because there are a plethora of them. McDavid, Matthews, McKinnon, Dreisaitl, Marner, Braden Point, like you name it, Shifley, you know, Line A, Dubois, all those guys that have that flair. That's what you want for the game because it's going to bring eyeballs. Uh, a reference there, if you know you're not that big, uh, if you're trying to think about that, or if you're only thinking about hockey right now, is think of Jeopardy right now. Think of the celebrity hosts that have gone on. Dr. Roz, Anderson Cooper. I didn't really care when those guys were on. Maybe you did, but I didn't. You want to know when I tuned in? Two weeks. Because Aaron Rodgers was hosting it. He's an NFL quarterback. He's an MVP. A Super Bowl champion. He also won Celebrity Jeopardy and won $50,000 to a charity of his choosing a couple years back. And now he guest hosts it for a couple years. What happened to the ratings? They spiked 13%. People know these guys. That's what the NHL wants, is for people to know who their superstars are. 
So this deal with ESPN and Turner Sports and getting these big deals to big companies like TNT, they're the ones that have that awesome panel with like Shaq and Charles Barkley for NBA games. It's not going to be those guys doing it, but those are the channels, right, that all these big basketball and football fans watch that might catch a glimpse of hockey and watch this incredibly skilled and fast sport on the ice and go, all right, I might stick around for this one. And it might just bring more eyeballs to National Hockey League. I like it. I, I think the deal is going to be good. NBC, uh, Doc Emmerich, we're never going to forget Doc Emmerich. We did an episode kind of commemorating him when he retired. But Doc was one of a kind. But I think after that, when there's no Doc Emmerich, and there are a lot of phenomenal broadcasters, don't get me wrong, but I think because there's no Doc, a lot of familiar broadcasters that I'm hearing also do NFL games and NBA games, which I think was smart. But because there's no Doc Emmerich, I think the NHL was like, listen, you don't have that guy anymore that fans started to kind of, you know, lean towards. They wanted to go in a different direction. It made a lot of sense. All right. I want to move on to this here because this this just was hilarious. So, so the Toronto Maple Leafs, after getting swept in a two-game set against the Vancouver Canucks, right? There's six out of seventh, seven teams in the Scotia North Division. Toronto had a two-game set on the road against the Winnipeg Jets, the, at the time, second place, right up there, Winnipeg Jets. Well, Toronto goes in, wins the first one 5-3, plays very well, comes out in the second game, ends up winning, I think, 4-1. And a couple of different incidents that took place, Winnipeg wasn't too thrilled about it. And what it had to do was with Players standing up for themselves. NHL handed the Leafs veteran Joe Thornton about a $3,000 fine early Friday for an interference penalty against Jets forward Matthew Perot. Right? Took game a little bit of hit. He had a two-minute penalty in the game. Gave him a little bit of a hit. Was skating by him. Was letting him know, hey, don't mess with me. Nick Foligno in his first game delivered a hit as well to defenseman Josh Morrissey in Thursday's game. Zach Hyman received a, a fine for high sticking on Neil Pionk when there was a battle in front of that. By the way, Neil Pionk, couple plays during that 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 set where he basically abandons all hockey sense and is going right at the player. So you can't really say much. But the Jets came out afterwards, and Paul Maurice was asked if he believes the Leafs are a dirty team. Now, he said, I don't think so. The league has said they're not, so we'll abide by the league's rulings, saying sarcastically. He said, but they're a poorer team because they've got to pay some fines. They probably are looking for some part-time jobs. So obviously not thrilled with what the Leafs did. But my hilarious thing was going into this season and think about the last eight years what has been the narrative of the Toronto Maple Leafs? You know what? Let's just even say the last four years after, you know, when the rookie seasons of Matthews, Marner, and Nylander happened. In the playoffs against Washington. In the playoffs against Boston for a couple. What, what's everyone saying? The Columbus last year. Toronto's not tough enough. They don't stand up for themselves. They don't push back. They get pushed around. They need to get bigger. They need to get tougher. They need to get meaner. So Toronto in the offseason goes out and acquires Wayne Simmons and Joe Thornton. And Joe Thornton's not the biggest physical guy, but he's a big dude. He's Jumbo Joe for a reason. He's like 6'4", 6'5", 230. Big boy. Wayne Simmons, very tough player to play against. Who do they go out and trade for at the trade deadline? Not a skill guy like Taylor Hall who doesn't throw his weight around. 
but Nick Foligno, a heart and soul player who's physical and a nightmare to play against. You throw in a team that already had Zach Hyman, they traded for Jake Muzzin this past season, and before he got hurt, had Zach Bogosian on the back end, who nobody wanted to mess with, and all of a sudden, Travis Dermott, who's his partner on the third pairing, is more confident, comfortable, because he's got that big behemoth beside him to protect him if anything happens. So now the Jets lose back-to-back games. And what, what starts coming out? And people say that they're a dirty team. Wayne Simmons talked to TSN's Mark Masters. He said, quote, Every time we've played them, they've tried to run us out of the building starting games. We come back, we're physical, and now we're a dirty team, question mark? I don't buy that. We're defending ourselves. And that's absolutely right. Listen, come playoff time, Toronto fans can attest to this. Come playoff time, you think anyone's going to be crying about tiny little nicks and bumps and bruises and scratches and claws? The Boston Bruins have literally made their identity about knowing how far to push the line with the referees. They'll get caught for a couple of them, but you can't call everything. And Boston is notorious for Brad Marchand stepping on someone's stick. The series, the, uh, what was it? Was it against Columbus or Tampa? Goaltender covered the puck. Brad Marchand looked to his left, looked back, and punched the dude in the back of the head and skated away. Toronto's not doing that. Toronto is standing up for themselves after they take a hit. And then what happened on Saturday night? Puck goes into the the corner. Rasmus Sandin, rookie defenseman, 21-year-old, 22-year-old, rookie, 5'11", 6 foot, 175, 80 pounds. Has 6 foot 3, 6 foot 4, 220 Blake Wheeler barreling down on him. Blake Wheeler's coming in hard, a guy who normally finishes his check. Sandin, who doesn't want to get crunched, which he did the last two times he was on the ice Saturday night, stops throws a little comeback hit, a little reverse hit, catches Wheeler up high, goes down. And everyone's calling him dirty. What would you like him to do? He's about three feet away from the boards. If he gets bumped and doesn't have his balance, he's going headfirst into the boards. So he braces himself and he's now a dirty player. Jets have a great team. Great team. You got better up the middle. It looks like you won the Patrick Line trade. Though Pierre-Luc Dubois hasn't been as impactful of a player as you probably thought. Nikolai Ehlers out for the year, but he'll be back for the playoffs. Mark Shifley, we'll talk about him a little bit later on too. Kyle Connor, Connor Hellebuck in net. It's a good team. But like Toronto learned, you're going to have to learn to shut your mouths and play hockey. This is what Toronto has dealt with for years of getting bullied, slapped around, sticked, right? Roughed up a little bit, little bumps and bruises here and there. They are getting ready for playoff hockey. I don't know what you want from them. You're going to go in and play Edmonton. McDavid this season has shown that he's not taking any crap anymore. Dreisaitl's starting to realize he's got a big body on him and he's using it. Right? Edmonton is starting to win games... By the way, they just spanked you up and down the ice 6-1. 
don't worry about Toronto being a quote-unquote dirty team. Toronto is basically using what they have experienced for the last four first-round playoff exits and are utilizing it into their own game. Washington Capitals. Well, they're not a dirty team. No, but they had some pretty physical players. Tom Wilson, Alex Ovechkin throwing his weight around. TJ Oshie has dished out some hits before too. John Carlson on the back end. Brendan Dillon they have now. Boston for the last two years. They've had to deal with Chara and Martian and Bergeron and Pasternak and DeBrusque and all these physical guys. And last year, Columbus, who was a nightmare to play against. Seth Jones, Wierenski, Dubois. Toronto played Dubois last year. He was a nightmare. Dubois was doing worse things in that series against Toronto than Toronto has done it all year to anybody. You have got to worry about yourselves. Stop worrying what the other team does. The narrative is hilarious. How Toronto is this team that needed physicality and toughness and meanness and a little bite back and a little pushback. And all of a sudden, after two years of accumulating Jake Muzzin, Bogosian, Felino, Simmons, Thornton, now they're now they're a dirty team. Whatever you say. Jets fans, don't become Leaf fans. Leaf fans already are the ones that that get criticized for for whining, complaining about every little thing about their team, and all oh, the whole world's against the Leafs. Trust me, I've been there. Don't become, don't become us, right? There's the world's not big enough for two fan bases like that. Worry about the team in front of you. You're not even playing Toronto in the first round. Because Toronto's got a big enough cushion at this point where they're going to play fourth. And you're going to play probably Edmonton. And Edmonton just spanked you up and down the ice. I would gear up for them. I wouldn't worry about Toronto. At least until maybe you make the second round. If Toronto makes the second round too. But you know what I'm saying here. Um, okay, I want to move on to this year because... I've talked about this guy before, and I feel like it's so underrated with with everything that he has done for the game, and everyone's moved on to Ovechkin and, not Ovechkin, sorry, but they moved on to McDavid and McKinnon and Matthews, and so be it. They're young, they're skilled, they're the top scoring guys in the league right now, by all means. But we cannot forget about greatness and another record, in my opinion, going under the radar. So after Saturday's 4-2 win over the New Jersey Devils, Sidney Crosby joined some historic company in the NHL record books. Crosby scored his 55th point of the 2020-2021 campaign with an empty net goal, officially clinching his 16th straight point-per-game season. The only other people in history who have had that many consecutive seasons with point-per-game production, Gordie Howe and Wayne Gretzky. Gordie Howe did it 17 times. Wayne Gretzky did it 19 times. Crosby also joined Gretzky as the only players in NHL history to start their careers with 16-plus consecutive point-per-game campaigns. Crosby now ranks 5th all-time in points per game among players who have played at least 700 games, so no, McDavid will not be there just yet. But he only trails Marcel Dion, Mike Bossy, Mario Lemieux, and Wayne Gretzky. Crosby, with the goal on Saturday, also broke a tie with Mario Lemieux, 
and Evgeny Malkin to become the first player in Penguins history to record 20-plus goals in 13 different seasons. So underrated. So underrated. He had a concussion at one point like 10 years ago, 11 years ago. And he's just remarkable. Absolutely remarkable. Being able to watch Sidney Crosby do what he does on a consistent basis. He, like, anyone realized he's got 20 goals and 35 assists in 47 games this year? He's going to hit 500 goals, which some people incredibly never hit. He might have 1,000 assists. He's got 836 assists, 482 goals. He might be the 500 goal. He might be at the 500 goal club and the 1,000 assists club. Same player. And then add that to the three Stanley Cups, two Maurice Rocket Richard trophies, and two Hart trophies. I know there was a, a number out there, and we'll talk about McDavid in just a little bit too. But McDavid, how his goal differential at 5-on-5 five five or, or his 5-on-5 his five five chances when he's on the ice versus when he's not on the ice is like plus 88 when he's on the ice and minus 186 when he's not on the ice. Like he is, he's the only other guy that like you can, like you're going to be like, all right, like when he has, when he's at this point in his career, we're going to be talking Gretzky, Gordie Howe, Crosby, McDavid. That's where he is. But right now, right, we, we're so used to looking ahead to the future, planning for the future, looking ahead to the 2022 Olympic roster, right? These draft picks coming out, where they're gonna where, where they're gonna be, and where's Matthew? Like, just let's just sit and enjoy now. Sidney Crosby <laughs> is in a record right now in points, point per game. And the only other two members in that club, of all the players, Mario Lemieux not, isn't there, injuries. Mike Bossy ain't there. Marcel Dion ain't there. Mark Messier ain't there. It's Gretzky, Howe, Crosby. We talked about how incredibly difficult right, Patrick Marlowe was to, to beating that record set by Gordy Howe in games played. This one tying Howe and Gretzky for point, like, it's insane. Absolutely insane. I said this before. When they first came into the league, it was Crosby versus Ovechkin. I was team Ovechkin. I loved him. I loved his energy, his enthusiasm. He's going to go down as one of the greatest, if not the greatest goal scorer of all time. But that didn't mean I didn't like Crosby. That didn't mean I didn't respect Crosby. I just liked Ovechkin more. I knew Crosby was a better player. I knew he's a better puck handler, stick handler, and he's won more awards. I liked Ovi more, but I recognized game. I recognized greatness. We have to recognize the greatness that is Sidney Crosby. Because before you know it, he's going to be 39, 40, and close to retirement. And then we're going to look back and be like, what a player. What a player he was. Live in the moment. Live in the now. Be happy for what he's doing right now. Didn't mean for that to rhyme, I promise you. Um, 
Really amazing story that I want to touch on here before we... I want to kind of break it off with McDavid and uh, and Crosby here. Actually, no, screw it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end the show on a good note with this story. But I'll, I'm going to move on to McDavid here. So McDavid last night, right? Edmonton pumped Winnipeg 6-1. McDavid, three goals and an assist. I think he has 10 points in his last three games. He's got 81 now on the campaign. He's got like 10 games left to go. McDavid is quote-unquote almost on pace right now and is in pursuit of scoring 100 points in just 56 games this season. Yeah, he plays in the North Division. He gets to play Ottawa and Vancouver, and he just piled up on Winnipeg. Right, but but teams in that East Division get to play Buffalo 9, 10 times. I see teams in other divisions beating up on teams like Jersey and L.A. Right, there are There's weak teams in every division, so that's not the narrative I want. They score the most goals because the goaltending isn't that good. Well, in division, when you've got Connor Hellebuck and Carey Price and Jacob Markstrom... Thatcher Demko, who had had his runs, and Brayton Holpe's been pretty good lately, and Jack Campbell set an NHL record for most consecutive wins to start a season. So don't give me that the, the, the goaltending or the defense is horrible in that division. But what Connor McDavid is doing right now, and, and by the way, Wayne Gretzky came out, came out and said, it wouldn't surprise me in the slightest if he gets more than 100 points. Just to show people he's capable of it. Not even to do it for himself or anything. But just to just to show people who doubted that he could do it. I doubted he could do it. There was something that came out. It's like, does McDavid hit 100 points in 56 games? I said, absolutely no way. At that point, you're, tr- you're basically putting up two points per game. And he's put up a bunch of points, but not two points per game. He can put up 140 points in 100 and or 140 points, but in 80 games. I hadn't seen him put up more than 150 points before. So me thinking he could get 156, I was like, no, I I can't see that happening. But right now, he is at, so this was, so this article was prior to last night's game. So he's improved upon himself. So, over the final 11 contests, they said he needed 23 points, which would give him an average of 1.79 points per game, a pace only nine other players have ever had over a 56-game spam. So right now, I'm going to do the math here on the podcast. Not in my head, dear Lord. Don't ask me to do math in my head. So McDavid right now is 81 points in 46 games. Yeah, be 46 games. So he's on a 1.76 points per game. So he needs 1.79. So he's 19 points back with 10 games to go. So he'll need to he'll need to score a hair under two points per game during the final 10 games. Right? 10 games. He's 19 points shy. So I'm trying to look right now. So if... I'm, I'm, the reason I'm trying to look is I want to see who he plays. Because there was a stat that showed who he dominated against. Ottawa dominated against. 
Vancouver dominated against. Winnipeg has been pretty good against. But I want to see who they play. And they don't play Toronto. And Edmonton's biggest, biggest, you know, they had trouble this year was against Toronto. So over the back half of the rest of the season, they get Winnipeg one more time. They get Calgary twice. Vancouver four games in a row. Montreal twice. And then Vancouver again. He has torched. Even though Montreal has done pretty well. Last game against them. McDavid, goal to assist. That was a game they won. Game they lost. McDavid, goal to assists. He does fine against the Habs. He does just fine against the Habs. I'm not worried about them. Calgary, he's beat up on. Vancouver, like he's going to do it. Like he's going to score 100 points this season. And it's going to be the most ridiculous thing ever. Because in a pandemic shortened season. Where the next closest guy. Might be his teammate. Which is still remarkable. Might get 75 to 80. McDavid's going to be sitting at a hundo. Matthews and Marner might get 70. Might. They're 58 and 57 right now I think. Patrick Kane might get 65-70. This dude's going to be 25, 30 points ahead of all of them. All of them. That number I said earlier this year too. So there was a, a stat and I'll post it to the social media pages if you want to go check it out at ST Hockey Podcast. But five on, I got to pull it out. I don't want to butcher it. But this just reiterates and strengthens my, what an MVP actually is. So the Oilers' scoring chances at 5-on-5 this season in the plus-minus category, right? Scoring chances for and against. Just think of it as goals goals for and against, but scoring chances. When McDavid is on the ice for the Edmonton Oilers, they have generated 88 more scoring chances at 5-on-5 than they've given up. When McDavid is... Not on the ice. The Oilers have given up 183 more scoring chances at 5-on-5. Five five. That's that's not even total what they've had. They've given up 183 more scoring chances against than they have. You want to know what the MVP effect is? That's the MVP effect. I love to see a stat showing what his uh, what their point differential is when he's on and off the ice. Because it's stupid. It's absolutely insane. That's what an MVP is. I think what's crazy too is the fact that he's doing it in a generation where goal scoring is kind of going up a tick a little bit. But guys are capping at 50 goals. Right, at a full 82-game season. Like, the leading goal scorer this year is going to have 40 and 56, which is still incredible. Right, Austin Matthews might hit 40. He's at 34 right now. He only needs six more goals in, like, nine games, which is not... It's tough. It's not impossible, but it's tough. But over an 82-game season, right, you might get what? Last year, we had three guys that were probably going to do it. Ovechkin, Matthews, Dreisaitl. They were at, like, 47. Oh, and Pasternak. Pasternak was another one. There are like four guys that were in there that had like that 47, 48, 49 
goal pace. It's wild to me. His goal, by the way, his six, his hat trick goal. He was looking up. He looked behind him while he was stick handling. The fastest stick handles I've ever seen in my entire life. Just faked him out and then chipped it right over Hellebuck's blocker. Absolute insanity. Absolute insanity. So I think he's going to do it. Um, based on the games they have left, they have Vancouver, Calgary, and Montreal. Teams that have not really shut him down. Right? It's Toronto's done a decent job shutting him down. Before last night, Winnipeg been okay. He absolutely feasted on Ottawa. Feasts on Vancouver. He's done well against Calgary. Montreal, he had six points in his last two games against them. Like he's gonna do it. Like he's going to do it. He needs two points per game. He averaged three basically against Montreal. Toronto's the actually only team that brings his rating down in terms of points per game. If Toronto wasn't in the wasn't if, if they didn't play Toronto nine times and they played those games mixed up between Vancouver, Ottawa, and let's say Montreal. He'd already almost be there. Like, it'd be nuts. Like, there was that, that three-game series where McDavid, I think, had zero points. Like, he went three straight games without a point. He's that good. That's what an MVP does. That's an MVP. Guys carrying them to the postseason. If a team shuts him down, I think Edmonton's done for. But, holy, what a stud. Um, all right, before we end the show today, I want to make a couple news and notes. Uh, congratulations, by the way, kicking it off to Leon Dreisaitl. I want to pull up a stat here, but he, uh, after last night's win, he is now in sole possession of first all time in points by a German player in the National Hockey League. Uh, They made that announcement. Uh, He's just incredible stuff. 488 points passes Marco Sturm as the all-time German NHL scoring leader. He'll hit 500 probably by the end of the season. So huge congratulations going on out to him. And uh, and very well deserving. I remember he first signed that contract and everyone was kind of questioning whether it was worth it or not. Uh, it's more than worth it. The guy's been an absolute stud. He's been the number two to McDavid the entire time. Even the year he won that heart. Um, but good on Dreisaitl. Really good player. I Super underrated based on his skill set just because he gets overlooked by McDavid. But uh, congrats to him. All-time leading German scorer in the NHL. Uh, Winnipeg Jets forward Nikolai Ehlers, we talked about this a little bit, is going to be missing the rest of the regular season with an upper body injury. Head coach Paul Maurice said um, a couple days ago, Maurice added the club is confident Ehlers will be available for the postseason. So they're going to kind of not shut it down, but they're going to shut him down. Be like, listen, we don't need you for this point. We're basically going to begin. It's going to be whether we finish second or third. But at that point, um, Ehlers will be good to go come postseason. Uh, Noah Hannafin is set to miss the rest of the regular season. Uh, he will be requiring season-ending shoulder surgery, uh, an injury he suffered back on Saturday's game against the Habs. The team announced yesterday injury occurred in the opening minutes of play. Hannafin uh, went straight to the locker room, did not return. Uh, thoughts and prayers going on out to him. Tough season for Calgary, man. A team that I thought was going to be in the playoffs and not Edmonton. They have grossly underperformed. Um, it's sometimes on paper. Paper doesn't matter, right? They went out. They basically got better in every department. They got deeper in terms of their their offense and their skill. They added a goaltender in Markstrom. They got better on defense, even though they did lose TJ Brody. They added in Tanev. They had Hannafin still. They had Giordano. They had Rasmus Anderson. Like, it was trying to think of where it all went wrong and just 
some of the leading guys not not pulling through for that team. There's going to be some big changes to them. Uh, either Monahan or Goodrow. I think one of them is going to go. Kachuk had a bit of a down year too, but. Man, it's been a tough year for Calgary. Tough year for them. Uh, Former Chicago Blackhawks forward Andrew Shaw has called it a career. The 29-year-old winger announced his retirement yesterday after 10 NHL seasons, uh, signing up for multiple concussions as the primary reason for hanging up his skates. He is a two-time Stanley Cup winner with the Chicago Blackhawks, uh, compiled, I believe, upwards of 400-plus points in the National Hockey League. Uh, just a gritty player, started his career there, uh, signed in Montreal, and then was traded back to the Chicago Blackhawks. Chicago doing that with a lot of players, right? Sending them away and then bringing them back are guys who got signed elsewhere. They were brought back afterwards. Uh, if you remember Brennan Saad, Dave Bowen was another guy who who was gone and then came back to the team. But uh, heck of a career for Andrew Shaw. Good Canadian boy, too. Um, a guy you hated if you didn't play, if he wasn't on your team, but you absolutely adored him if he was. Ty Domi, Brennan Gallagher type of player. Even Brad Marchand to an extent, but not, not as dirty. Uh, but hardworking, blue collar, in front of your face, get in front of the net guy, and uh, just a, a playoff performer. That's who he was. He was a guy who, I remember at points he was playing top power play minutes for the for the Blackhawks when they were doing their runs. And he was like a go-to guy. Like, remember the year that Brian Bickle was on the first line with Jonathan Taze and Patrick Kane? Andrew Shaw, I think at one point, was playing with like Kane and Sod or something. Like, he was stupid. But uh, good for Andrew Shaw. Uh, calling it a career when, you know, he said his body's hit his limits. He's walking away while he's still... Kind of has that fortitude, and hopefully he'll have a, a long career with whatever he does for the rest of his life. So, good on you. And then Winnipeg Jets forward Mark Shifley in sugar-coated after his emotions being benched by head coach Paul Maurice in the final 17 minutes of the 4-1 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs back on Saturday. He said, yeah, I understand where he's coming from. But he said, I don't agree with benching me, but, you know, we don't have to agree on everything. He's the coach. I'm the player. That's the business of sports. I'll be ready to play against the, well, Edmonton Oilers. They weren't, though, but um, tough to bench your best guy, but that's a message that you need to send. And I'm actually for Paul Maurice for doing that. I think sometimes with with certain players, you get special treatment because of how important you are to the team. But I think at this point, the team wasn't playing well. They were only down 3-1 at the time. They're looking for a spark. So you know what? We're going to get more from... Stasny, we're going to get more from Dubois. We still had Ehlers at this point, and Connor, and you know they tried to they tried to spark things and give some other guys some opportunities, but uh, it's not going to happen that much further. But nevertheless, Mark Shifley just kind of be on watch. He's never been benched before, at least from what I can remember in his career. But that was an uh, an interesting one. Uh, that is it for this episode of the Second Thoughts Hockey Podcast. Thank you for tuning along. Had a lot of fun on the show today. Uh, I'm going to look into bringing more guests. Things have just been a little chaotic at home here, so... I've kind of neglected that part of the podcast, but trying to keep up as much as I can, posting on social media and trying to keep everything up to date. Uh, follow along on social media at, at ST Hockey Podcast, Twitter and Instagram, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. I'm on Anchor, wherever you get your podcasts. Enjoy the rest of the week. Apparently, there's like a tornado warning here in London, Ontario. So if you're in that area, stay safe out there. I'll be back uh, on Friday. And until then, that's a wrap. Yeah.